Welcome to the Brian Eisenhower podcast, the show that goes deep into the strategies and systems that the highest producing agents, teams, and broker managers in North America use to propel their businesses forward. I'm your host, Brian Eisenhower, and I'm so excited that you're here today. You know, while you're here, I also want to personally invite you to join the fastest growing Facebook group for top performing real estate professionals. It's called the Real Estate Agent Roundtable. So be sure to join there and join in the conversation with all the most elite in the industry. You know, since I'm the founder of one of the largest real estate coaching and training companies in the world, people are always asking me, why do you give all of your secrets away on the podcast? Aren't you worried that people will just take all that knowledge and not use your coaching and training services at all? And I always respond to them by saying, you know, look at it like taking a test drive before you buy a car. After all, we consistently provide you value through our free content. And if we do that, and you do get value, won't you eventually start to feel more comfortable about coaching with a member of our team of elite coaches or subscribing to our real estate training systems and services? Isn't it also what real estate agents are supposed to be doing when they consistently and repeatedly market to the people in their spheres of influence? They add value and come from contribution with the hopes that people in their database will ultimately become more comfortable with the agent and choose to work with the agent. Plus, knowledge isn't always king. Highly successful agents and leaders know that implementation and accountability are where the magic really happens with regards to their success. Top performers are self-aware of this fact, which is why they all have coaches and training systems for their businesses. They're leaving you all the clues. It's just up to you to pick them up. And we trust that over time you eventually will. But for now, sit back, relax, and in the meantime, Enjoy this episode of the Brian Eisenhower Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the Brian Eisenhower Podcast. Can't wait to talk to you today about something that's really, really caused a lot of consternation out there and frustration out there in the world, especially for you leaders, but not just for your leaders, it's all members of your organizations. And that's measuring the performance of remote workers because so much of us have it you know so many industries out there have people working remotely now you know in different ways a lot of that's happened since the pandemic and quite frankly in some aspects and in varying aspects it's here to stay now most science out there says that the majority of people are a little less productive working remotely than in an office when they show up every single day. There's just so many distractions out there and temptations to deal with personal work and keeping those things separated. It is what it is. However, in this day and age, um, for lots of reasons, you know, just finding available labor, finding specific skill sets, dealing with different needs of employees and, and contractors that work for you, remote work has become a real thing. And it's oftentimes if you're able as a leader or an organization to accommodate and work effectively with remote workers, you can really, really run a much more profitable and successful and growth-minded business, but you got to know how to do it, right? Um, otherwise, we can't just sit there as leaders and declare, hey, remote working doesn't work. Everybody has to come in. If that's the case, understanding that maybe we we have a little opportunity for some growth with regards to our own leadership skills and learning how do we effectively work with remote workers? Because a lot of leaders can do it and a lot of leaders are able to do it. And oftentimes as you know, as leaders, we fall out of that leadership mentality and into that little bit more of a victim mentality. And we'll say things like, wow, you know, only certain people can do it. Only people I really trust or people that are really talented can do it. 
you know, to some extent, I guess that might be true, but it's not the full picture. Um, you know, there's a little bit the leader can do too to set the stage properly to ensure that we have some sort of working relationship and environment so that we are actually having productive individuals that are working remotely too. It's a, you know, it's a two-way street. And then, you know, as humans, we like to kind of, you know, our natural default is to kind of blame and justify and deflect and say, it's on them. It's nothing I'm doing. They need to step to me. Well, that's not true. You know, we, we do have to kind of meet them halfway here too. So how can we ensure that the relationship as leaders is an effective one so that remote workers can work effectively? Because I can tell you right now, um, as many of you know, we, you know, we run one of the largest real estate coaching and consulting companies in, in North America. And we coach many of the highest producing agents, teams, and broker owners and managers and brokerages and even national brands out there. And many of them work with remote workers very effectively. In fact, at ICC, we have tons of remote workers that work with us, especially when it comes to our administrative and operations staff. A lot of our coaches are scattered all over the place too. So how do we do that? How do we engage and make sure that we're productive and still maintain a culture that is positive for growth and all the individuals that work within the organization. So measuring the performance is often the key. Like, how do we measure performance? How can we, because I mean, if we don't measure performance, oftentimes we can get to a really negative place, at least from a leader's perspective, about, man, they're not really doing any work. They're not responding to me. I haven't heard of them. Why am I paying all these people? Especially when there's ebbs and flows in cash flow, right? In the real estate industry, things can be very seasonable in most places in the winter months. So when when cash flows down, we tend to cut our costs, and you know it's an it's an unfortunate temptation that we at ICC try to prevent our agents from doing or our clients from doing. We try to get them to capitalize their business so that we you know are expecting the winter months and we don't have cash flow tightness and we don't have to let people go. However, there are different times too where there's just aren't as many sales when sales volume drops and there's just not as many sales for lots of different economic reasons, things like that, interest rates moving around, you know, weather, you name it, natural disasters, all those different types of things can decrease sales. And at those times is when we as leaders start thinking, wow, how, you know, are these people really doing any work or are they just like vacuuming and going on vacation? Especially if you start going on social media and you see them, you know, playing all the time and it's, you know, sunlight out and they're, they're just having fun all the time. And then conversely, you know, you've got the remote workers kind of in a similar place, right? You know, cause because they're, they have this flexibility and schedule, which I think is great. I mean, they're not punching in, punching out oftentimes. So there is some flexibility here that you're able to provide that most organizations do provide, you know, they can pick kids up from school, you know, they can, you know, they, they may be able just to, you know, a lot of people that work with me, I, I don't really mind when they work so long as, you know, they get the work done. You know, a lot of leaders are like that, at least to some degree. So if you start seeing them on social media, like it's the daytime and they're at the dog park, you know, or at the daytime and they're they're out having fun with friends and they're not getting some work done that you'd like to have done. And maybe they didn't know that it was that urgent or not or, or whatnot. You know, I think it's really important there that we ensure that that the employee or the independent contractor that works with you, you know, they, they can move into a negative place 
themselves because then they're making up for it late at night or on the weekend because they do have that flexibility. And if there aren't expectations set as to when people are working, you know, they might say, well, I took the day off, but I worked at night and too many times working at night. And they can get into kind of a negative place and say, man, this isn't any better. I'm just up nights and weekends working all the time. Yet they're forgetting all the time that they took off during the week or they take off every single day, dropping kids off, going to the gym, picking kids up, blah, blah, blah. All those different things or all whatever, you know, hobbies or, or personal endeavors they have during the week. They can start to go in a negative place if we don't have some of these different performance measures put in place. So let's talk. Let's jump right into it. I've got six key areas I want to talk about here by way, and I'm going to take some notes myself because that's what I always do. So I got my trusty pen with me. But there's six, I'll go through the six key areas that we need to talk about. First of all, we got to choose the right metrics and goals. We have to measure something, right? We're trying to measure worker performance. And that just can't be done up in our head loosey-goosey with a bunch of ideas and thoughts. Otherwise, it's going to turn into emotion. And if it goes into emotion, then we're going to be in a bad place when things are bad. Even though it's not their fault, we got to find someone to blame justified because we're humans and that's what we do. They will do it to you too. So we got to have some sort of performance metric so we can know that they're doing and getting things done that they're supposed to. And so they can know when they're doing a good job because if they don't know that they're doing a good job, then they're going to start blaming and justifying the organization, even though you might think they're doing a good job. So understand that having having performance metrics in place, even though it does create this semblance of accountability and, and micromanaging, it is crucial in any organization, especially, especially with remote workers. So you better have some metrics and goals in place for their daily activities and the results you expect from them. Uh, then we're going to keep track of how engaged your remote team is. Number three, we're going to lay out expectations for communication, how you interact with each other. Okay, so clear expectations on that. Um, we're going to measure the ROI of your team, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about trust as well. We're gonna talk about trust as well. There has to be trust involved for remote managers and employees and independent contractors to work together. Okay, and then lastly, we're gonna talk about the buy when rule. Okay, we're going to talk about how to implement the buy when rule. So again, starting off, we're going to choose the right metrics and goals. We're going to keep track of how engaged your remote team is. Then we're going to lay out expectations for remote communication. We're going to ensure that trust is in place within the culture of your organization. And last, we're going to have the buy when rule and talk about how to implement that too. Okay, so number one, let's talk about the right metrics and goals. And you've always heard about KPIs, key, key performance indicators. I think every business book on the planet talks about those. And those are great. In my book, The High Performing Real Estate Team, I break key performance indicators down into two key areas, okay? I, I break KPIs down into ABIs and RBIs. ABIs and RBIs. ABIs are activity-based indicators, which are very, very important to track. And RBIs are results-based indicators, which are what most people track. And they're also important but they're not usually your blind spot. You know, people tend to look at the results more like, you know, how much production we have or how much income we have or how we're doing with transactions closed throughout the year. We love to look in the rear view mirror, but we never really look out the front windshield of the car, which is where we're headed. So for a growth mindset, we have to focus on activities because they generate the results, right? So we got to make sure people are doing activities. So what are the regular expectations or metrics that we expect are ABIs, that we expect our remote workers 
to perform. So we have to have ABIs, okay? We have to have ABIs as well too, especially if we have remote workers that are independent contractors like real estate agents. Boy, oh boy, we have got to know what those ABIs are, right? With administrative staff, very important as well too. Uh, it's a little bit harder sometimes with administrative staff to come up with some of those things. Activity-based indicators for agents, pretty darn easy, right? It could be contacts made, appointments set, you know, it could be sphere of influence contacts made, it could be video text sent, it could be, you know, expired listing, prospecting contacts and appointments, and then appointments set, appointments had, all the general lead generation expectations out there for agents are activity-based indicators. Results-based indicators for agents move into the, you know, contracts signed, you know, contracts closed, closings, GCI. Those are more results on the, on the tail end of the transaction. There's not much we can do about those, right? They're there. I mean, I guess if your transactions are falling out, we can, you know, work on ways to improve that, you know, bulletproof your transactions a little bit so that we don't have such a high fallout rate. There's only so much there, though. Most times the problem's up front, right, on the activity side. So very easy to track the activities, very hard to get your agents to do it. That's why it's much more crucial to be tracking. Even if it's something simple with just like appointments had, that might do it. You know, the teams that dial in a little bit closer to number of contacts made or contacts had, you know, where you actually speak to someone that's a decision maker, could be social media posting, content written could be farming contacts, all the different ways you can lead generate, which we coach and train them all in my consulting and, and coaching business. But we got to track something from an activity or people are just going to hole up at home and not do it. Then they're going to struggle. Then they're going to leave you and blame you. And you know, to some extent, they're right because you didn't put these in place. Now, with regards to administrative staff, it's like kind of flip-flopped. It's much easier to track activities, harder to track the results. Because with administrative staff, if you're holding them accountable, they're usually moving things forward on your business plan, right? So you can see the progress either in your team meetings or in emails or in phone calls. You're talking and they, you know, they're going to get this done and then they're going to report back and you can see them chipping away and getting things done. The hard part is the RBIs. Like, how do we see results? I mean, I guess you can show the results of the entire organization. Like as an organization, we're growing. As an organization, we're selling more. As an organization, we're producing more, gaining more market share, gaining more profit, gaining more company dollar, all those things. That doesn't really tie to their performance. It's kind of everybody's performance, right? So oftentimes they don't get connected enough to any of those goals or results that that flow through them, Right. One of the things about goal setting that's so key is they must be specific and measurable. So we have to turn everything to numbers so that they are measurable. Otherwise, it's too subjective. We can have a lot of disagreements and we can actually backfire. So we always want to have goals that are smart. And that starts with specific and measurable. That's the first two letters in the SMART acronym, right? So they need to be achievable. They need to be reasonable. And of course, they need to be determined by time. There has to be some sort of time that they are done. So let's we'll start with specific and measurable though. When you have administrative staff, like a transaction coordinator handling your transaction or a marketing director, how do we pick specific numbers to measure on a regular basis to make sure that they're actually performing at a high level according to the goals you've set for them? That gets a little bit tougher. You know, with marketing, it can be things like, you know, SEO traffic to your blog, followers on Facebook pages, Twitter pages, whatever, YouTube channels could be engagement type goals with things like that. We should be doing surveys with uh, you know our listing and uh, listing to contract people and our contract to close people 
to make sure that we're getting five-star reviews. It could be how many five-star reviews they do get for you on Google or Zillow or what have you for online reviews. It could be five-star responses to our survey as well too. It could be referrals generated, things like that. We definitely need to get measurables around their performance. It could be based on fallout rate too, sales rate. We definitely want to be tracking their communication and that's usually included in a listing to closing ch checklist to make sure that transactional employees, the workforce and staff members are reaching out at least on a weekly basis with all of our active sellers and all of our clients that are under contract, whether on the buyer or seller side, proactively reaching out to provide updates and engaging. We want to over-communicate. We want to track that communication as well too. You know, We want to ask for testimonials, referrals, things like that. And then they should be doing follow-up after closing as well too, right? So, you know, follow up, you know, 30 days to make sure that they don't need any help with vendors, things like that. Moving out for your home anniversary to check back. Hey, how are you doing? Do you need, you know, we want to be your go-to source for, for your home. So if you need a vendor to help you with improvements or construction or someone just the daily maintenance of it, always come to us first. We want to be your in-person Annie's list, you know, so we can track that and make sure that, that, that we are managing all those metrics to ensure they are doing a good job, right? So very, very important that we are tracking ABIs and RBIs for both agents and admin staff on a very, very regular basis, okay? Okay, so I'm going to take a quick break to talk to you all about something I'm really excited about. This year's ICC Summit is happening in San Diego at the Paradise Point Resort on its own island, surrounded by beaches in the middle of San Diego's beautiful Mission Bay. I mean, could there be a better venue? We have the entire resort and island to ourselves. And one thing that makes the ICC Summit so special are all of the great people that will be there. That's what I always hear after one of our summits. They always say, man, I met some great people too. Networking and new friendships are formed and unlike most real estate conference, the mastermind sessions at the ICC Summit are exciting, fast-paced, and led by many of North America's top producing agents, team leaders, and broker managers, not to mention our team of elite coaches and some well-known industry leaders too. We also believe in an interactive and participatory environment and that that provides the richest learning experience out there for our attendees. No boring keynote speeches here. It's a high-powered three-day event, September 6th through 9th, 2023. You can register today at ICCSummit2023.com. That's ICCSummit2023.com. You can find that link in the podcast description too. Register today and use the promo code PODCAST for $100 off your registration fee. So I hope to see you all in San Diego. And now let's get back to the podcast. Now, moving on, you know, they're also going to need great culture for their team. So, you know, that great culture is how we keep track of how engaged they are, right? So that's why we need some sort of regular meeting on a weekly basis and they're remote. So it's typically going to be by some sort of video conferencing app, um, whether it's Zoom or Microsoft Teams or or what, you know, whatever you want to use out there, we need to have a regular face-to-face, -face, right? We got to see each other. And I really prefer you to try to kind of insist on people turning their video cameras on because that relationship and rapport building from culture really, really creates a different dynamic. 
And it creates accountability too. So people aren't responding to emails and trying to get other work done. That's what you'll feel naturally. And that'll that'll create a little bit of critique. We want to see people engaged with humans, okay? We do know science is out there. All these things are very important for success. And it's very important we coach our people to turn those things on so that everybody can get engaged and it really improves culture. That's really important that they do that. And tell them it's to help them. Otherwise, I'm going to think you're doing something else. And I don't want my mind to go there. And I really want us all to get to know each other and improve the, the culture of this organization on a regular basis, okay? So that's really important that we do establish weekly meetings that way to go over these metrics, to discuss things and to build rapport with each other. So it's got to be weekly, probably no more than an hour a week. You might, depending on how large your organization is, you might have like a leadership meeting. You might have like a new agent meeting each week too. You could just have a sales meeting for the sales side. That's really common when organizations or teams or brokerages get a little bit larger. I know within mine, within my, I have multiple meetings a week, pretty big organizations. So I have different groups of people I'm meeting with every single week. Sometimes those meetings are 30 minutes. Sometimes they're an hour, depending on how much content we have at each. We always start on time. We always end on time to prevent more frustration as well too. So that's culture. You can enhance culture other ways, you know, having like a group Facebook group, like a private Facebook group. So people can chat in between is really important. I'd probably stay away from group texting. Unless everybody likes that, there's a lot of people that don't like group texting and it's kind of, you know, blows you up all the time, you know, people liking and hearting things and depending, um, you know, I've seen a lot of mixed reviews on that. So, but like a group Facebook group, you know, where you can share things and talk a lot, it's great. Some work really well by email. There's a great app called Slack out there, which kind of isolates your texts and you can kind of control your own notifications from it. You can do it in WhatsApp as well too. Really good little apps you can use out there. And believe it or not, they really do promote uh, the culture of your team and engagement on another level, which I think is really, really awesome. So depending on, you know, what floats your boat and, and, you know, agents will typically love the Facebook stuff. They're a little bit more uppity, you know, you know, floating, you know, you get your admin staff loves email a little bit more. They tend to hide back a little bit more and, and not being is, is open on, on social media as agents are, you know, out there, you know, very engaged, uh, introverted <laughs> individuals. Generally, you know, there's, there's exceptions to that, but that's generally the way that works. So, you know, finding something that works for you there is really important, but the team meetings is, 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 is non-negotiable. That needs to happen. Don't have those on Mondays. There's too many holidays on Mondays. Don't have them on Fridays. Too many people going on vacations on Fridays, have them Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and try to have them in the middle of the day for at least the majority of your group is in a certain time zone. I really like to try to see those between 10 and two. So, you know, people that have kid drop-offs, kid pickups, go to the gym, things like that, get all that stuff done. So it's not such a struggle for people to make it. Most agents are the most active and, and engaged between 10 and two. They're typically after two showing property, listing property. Very rarely during the week, Tuesdays or Thursdays, are they are they that active in meetings with, 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 with clients? So try to do that. That's some important stuff there. And that will really help you enhance your culture within your team. You know, laying out expectations for remote communication is really important. Okay. And that name, that really, you know, applies to the weekends and nights. You know, a lot of the large organizations we we work with have inside sales agents and, and inside sales agents, you know, they may be staggered so that some are covering nights and some are covering days and some are covering weekdays and some are covering weekends. And, that, you know, that's real clear as to who's covering what. However, when it comes to agents and staff, really important that we have clear expectations. Now, it's not uncommon if you allow your staff to work remotely, there's an expectation, hey, you know, and they usually have a reason they want to work remotely. And it usually because flexibility, they got stuff they need to handle 
in their personal life during the week. And that's cool. However, you know, we're paying you, you know, 40 hours a week or what have you. So, you know, that means there's going to be an expectation. You might be a little bit more available later in the evening sometimes or on the weekend sometimes. It's, you know, because if you don't lay out that expectation up front, they'll start to, you know, they'll start to disappear uh, Friday afternoon until Monday. Yet they took off all that time during the week. And now we have someone that's not as productive. They're just not working as much. It's really clear we we explain up front, set clear expectations up front that we're going to expect, you know, maybe it's a little bit less of a response time for if we ask them, if we call them or, or email them or Slack them or or what happened. Maybe, you know, maybe we expect, we give them a little bit of grace for how long that they it takes them to respond. But we do expect not waiting till Monday morning when everybody's busy and running and, and that kind of thing. That's up to you how you want to do that. And maybe, you know, it's not, it's not okay to initiate by phone. Maybe it's not by text. Maybe we just do it by email on the weekends. That's fine too. Whatever works for your organization and your people, just make sure we're clear about it up front that there's going to be that expectation. Because I've seen this work all different ways here. But it's important. Admin staff typically, I mean, people, you know, are, are typically going to be a little bit more introverted, right? So they, they do want a little bit more of a break than than agents are used to after hours and on weekends. So it's really important we get very clear with the administrative staff when they're remote workers. Agents, different. I mean, agents, it's more about them communicating to you as the leader. You know, they're going to write an offer on Sunday night. How should they do that? How should they engage with you? Should we actually ensure that they're watching a remote video first about how to write an offer for this brand new agent that started working with you before they ask you questions? Or should they let you know that they're going to be you know, setting an appointment for a listing two days in advance before they just throw it on you at the last minute and say, hey, I'm about to go on a listing appointment in an hour. I need your help. You know, clear expectations of how much in advance they should be working. You know, they should be letting you know so you can adjust on as to, you know, you can have some sort of type of say in the matter as a leader as to when you're going to help them <laughs> rather than a lot of emergencies at inconvenient times. That's really, really important. Okay. So make sure we lay out the expectations for remote communication. Now, the key here, and this one's a quick one, but don't forget to measure the return on investment, right? And I think a lot of this, you know, ties back in. It's quick because it ties back into your results-based indicators. We got to get very specific with the activity-based indicators for remote workers, don't care what they are. And then the results-based indicators, the results of their work must be measured as well too. That'll help them feel better because they'll know that they're actually making a difference and that they're doing a good job. It gives them a lot of closure and peace of mind to not always think that they're, you know, am I failing? Am I doing well? That's terrible to never, ever, ever know if you're doing a good job. And then you as a leader, of course, if you're deciding if this is something, I mean, for you to have confidence in this person, to appreciate this person, and to truly believe that this person is making a positive impact for your organization, and at the very least be retained by you, you need to know, are the results mattering? So if we're measuring things like engagement and followers or something for that marketing director, or whether we're getting referrals from our transaction people, or they're doing follow-up calls. Those results are going to tell us, okay, you know, you know, we're actually getting a good ROI. It doesn't necessarily have to be revenue. You know, with the agents, we can see the revenue they bring in very easily. You know, there's commission income, but but we can, you know, reasonably assume that all of these other different results that we're measuring for the metrics on the admin side are giving us a return. So we got to make sure we measure that ROI, and it ties back in to the way we measure the daily metrics, right? track the activities, track the results, and then make sure that we're very, very clear 
Here's the kicker, though. It's got to be on some sort of scoreboard or dashboard, like I talk about in my best-selling book, The High Performing Real Estate Team. We've got to show it to them. they got to see it visually, not just talk about it, not send it to them an email. It's got to be in that weekly team meeting. Again, it doesn't have to be, you know, it, you know, it could be a nice fancy spreadsheet. It could be, you know, just something, you know, a spreadsheet or a scoreboard service you pay for, like CSU. A lot of our organizations work with them, SISU, you know, and there's lots of things in between. You know, I just want to make sure it's visible, even if it's just the first five or 10 minutes of your team meeting. So everybody sees it. And that creates a lot of public accountability just by having it up there in front of everybody. I don't even have to talk about every line or go through it all. Just put it up there. That public accountability creates a lot of internal personal responsibility. So making sure everybody can see that every, and it really creates great coworker appreciation because now everybody can see what everybody does and how they all play a part. And it really helps. Okay really helps people get to know what everybody does. It helps people's relationships improve because of that too. Helps respect improve. All of that, because everybody can at least see it. Now, you you know, in the team meetings, you just pick out a few metrics that you want to talk about, typically good, positive ones. I wouldn't spend too much time shaming people in public with bad metrics. That might be a more of a one-on-one thing. However, we got to have some sort of dashboard or scoreboard up there to ensure it happens, right? Very, very important. Trust is huge, guys, and this will create trust. So that's going to be our our fifth metric. Trust is huge. So we got to make sure that we have trust between remote employees and managers. And I think you're seeing that by having a lot of these different steps, all six of these steps in place is going to be huge, okay? That's where that trust will come from. And that's just going to have to be a little bit of unnatural behavior from you as a leader, because you're just going to have to let go and assume they're getting it done and trust your systems, that we have metrics that are measuring this, that we have a weekly team meeting where everybody's going to see whether they're getting it done. If you cannot trust your people, you know, we've got a much bigger problem than our measuring stick. And, you know, especially when you have all these things in place, right? Because we should be seeing results. And if not, the results speak for themselves. You don't have to trust. But you need to trust your systems more than you need to trust the people. If you're having a hard time trusting your people, then the first thing I would do is say, well, why am I having a hard time trusting people? My systems for measuring performance must be the problem. So we got to focus away from trusting people and more on to trusting our systems because we need to have good enough systems in place. You know, and this is assuming that there's not some like outrageous lying going on with someone or something that's, you know, obvious, but it's very hard to judge whether you can trust people if you don't have good systems measuring activity-based indicators, results-based indicators, a weekly dashboard, engaging together, creating the culture that we have. It's just not going to happen, guys. There's just no way. So, you know, gauging and measuring remote worker performance is the key to establishing that trust, but the trust must be in the systems, not so much in the person or it's too subjective and your your crazy town mind is going to start to go in dark places when things go dark in business or in your personal life. We want to take all that stress of trying to decide what's what out and make this a stress-free organization with really good systems in place. Okay, lastly, number six, the buy-when rule. This is crucial with remote workers. It's crucial at all times, especially with your admin. When you tell people to do things, you tell them by when do you need it, okay? I can't tell you how important that is because if not, you're asking administrative people to make some very tough, stressful decisions, right? Because that's the hardest thing, especially with introverted people that have a very hard time, you know, making decisions. You know, they expect you as a leader to do that. 
So prioritizing is the toughest thing about time manager. And if you're if you're constantly vomiting tons of different tasks on people, that's okay. But if you're making them decide which is most important without giving them any communication, you need to first open up to them. Hey, if I forget to tell you when I need it, you ask me. If you're deciding as to when I need it, then you need to ask me because that's my bad. I forgot it. And you as a leader need to own it and start telling them. You know what I mean? And if they're bugging you, hey, I mean, you've given me a lot here. Which is more important to you, this or this? Because I'm I'm seeing a possible conflict on time, right? And like, let's say if you got a meeting on Friday and you need them to prepare a large outline for you or something, I don't know, or a presentation or something. And then they give it to you Friday before your presentation. Your presentation is 11. They give it to you at 10 and you're on the go at 10 and it's there's something wrong with it. And you, oh, maybe I forgot to include something or they made a mistake and it's too late and you got to go. Well, maybe that's on you. You should have told them, hey, I needed it the day before so that I have time to review it and give it back to you or make the changes myself. So it's on you as to when they need it. Otherwise, they don't know and how big of a priority to it. You might have forgotten that you gave them some other tasks that might have been even more important. So you need to kind of clearly communicate the when, the by when is everything to admin and operations staff. It's also important with agents too, because oftentimes the interaction from agents flows the other way. They need you as a leader, like we talked about earlier. And when they need you as a leader, that changes everything, right? Like they need your help. So by when do they need to come to you so that it's not an emergency? And you'll see they tend to, you know, they're just agents. They wait to the last minute, especially when they're new ones. Those are the ones that tend to need your help more. And they'll wait to the very last minute. Like, hey, I'm going to meet with someone right now. Or I, I got a phone call tonight. And I need your help. When did you know about this phone call? So we start telling them the minute you see it, you need to reach out to us. So you give me some decision-making say in the when we're going to help, right? So when is everything. And that's going to improve your culture because everybody's treating each other with respect with regards to time management. People will have more time because they're not just dropping balls all the time and and, and trying to put out fires and emergencies and stress because that's what, that's what really will ruin culture too. So make sure we implement the buy-win rule throughout your entire organization, not with, just with your admin staff, with your agents too. We have to set clear expectations. That'll protect everyone and make everyone much more happier. So these are the keys. I hope you like these and help your organization as well too, because it's very important we put them in place within any organization to ensure success, happy workplace, growth. That's what we want. Again, we always want you guys to increase your production and at the same time, generate more income. Most importantly, maintain your life balance with it too. And I think this will help everyone in your organization do that as well too. So good luck and thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for listening to the Brian Eisenhower podcast. You can learn more about ICC at eisenhowercoaching.com. That's I-C-E-N-H-O-W-E-R.com. You can also enroll in one of our many online courses at ICCOnlineLearningCenter.com. That's ICCOnlineLearningCenter.com, where you'll find the most expansive real estate training library in the industry. We also offer custom training portals for real estate teams and brokerages looking to give all of their agents access to our expansive course list of courses and training systems. Some companies even take it one step further by purchasing versions of our courses and systems that are white label branded to their specific real estate organizations. Also, be sure to subscribe to Eisenhower Coaching's YouTube channel. 
to watch new video content that we put out each and every week. And again, be sure to join the fastest growing Facebook group for top performing real estate professionals by searching for the Real Estate Agent Roundtable Group. With all of that said, thank you again for joining us today. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Brian Eisenhower Podcast.